After two albums, the career of Yes looked to be heading swiftly for the toilet. Neither Yes nor Time and a Word had made a significant impression and time was running out for the band. Yes, a group that had started out by wanting to take up from where the Beatles were leaving off, dragging the music into a further distant landmarked epic, had one last shot at getting it right. And with the Yes album, they did. Some fans might argue that replacing Peter Banks with Steve Howe was the occasion of the great leap forward. Others will simply say that they needed those first two albums to finally hone their sound and distill the real essence of Yes. Those who worship at the altar of self-styled tone poet John Anderson will argue that it was simply a question of the world catching up with a visionary. One, more, or all of these may be true. Personally, I think the Yes album was the record that marked their breakthrough, because throughout a journey where he remained the only constant until his guiding light was snuffed out by leukaemia at the end of June 2015, it was the album when Chris Squire decided that his band was not going to go gentle into that good night. For while the bulk of the Yes discography bubbles with examples of Squire that we will be reaching for long decades after his untimely passing, it is the Yes album that will ultimately be regarded as his greatest monument. Sacrilege to some who will point to his contributions to other Yes masterworks, I know, but get your copy of that album out once more and play it again while reminding yourself that it was made in Extremis. You'll find that in every nook and cranny barring Howe's solo turn clap, there lies the imprint of Christopher Squire. That his bass playing is beyond extraordinary is something we came to take for granted over the years, but all over the Yes album, it's a thing of miracle and wonder. The driving thump of yours is no disgrace that pinned you against the wall when the needle first hit the groove was a statement of raw intent, a theme that rages and pulsates across nine minutes that immediately put Yes into a new league. If you don't go for that, there's a sinewy glide underneath the opening of Starship Trooper, six notes that seem almost secondary, and yet which are utterly crucial to establishing the tone for another Yes classic. There's the loose vibration of all good people, those ricken back a string sounding like a 1930s tube train cascading through a crystal cave. Or the chimes of perpetual change, illustrating the way he, Howe and Bill Bruford would go on to play off each other to dazzling effect over the course of Fragile and Close to the Edge. This is bass playing of McCartney-esque brilliance, a lead instrument rooted in its own imagination, refusing to be bound by the conventions of offering the rhythmic pulse, but instead willing to drop bombs and light fireworks wherever it chose to land, employing an exquisite, idiosyncratic, wholly unique sense of timing, willing to leave holes in the music rather than having to play over everything, but being utterly devastating when it arrived. Even to non-musicians, this was unbearably thrilling to behold, a high wire act without a safety net, given Bruford's self-confessed disdain for ever playing a song the same way once. In short, Squire took bass playing into areas that had been barely hinted at hitherto in rock music. Yet to concentrate simply on his bass playing is to ignore his contribution as a songwriter. He is simply all over the Yes album, with a credit on all but Clap and Anderson's thin piece of filler, Adventure. Elsewhere, you can drown in further evidence of not just Squire's writing skills, but the other crucial element that he brought to the Yes mix, his ability as a vocal arranger. The disillusion section of Starship Trooper is beautiful in its plaintiveness, and while there was a degree of good fortune in the way his voice naturally melded with those of Anderson and Howe in the three-part harmonies, much of their power comes from Squire's background as a chorister. His understanding of how voices should sit together was a hugely powerful weapon in the Yes armoury. All Good People, meanwhile, offers a vision of a different direction for post-Beatle pop music rather than the glam turning that it took. Raging and clanking on a squire-propelled riff, it's a great tune, easily memorable, intelligently put together with a wonderful harmony section. Pop like Mama used to make. Having set Yes on the right track, Squire continued to be central to their sound and to their existence, if never again with quite such concentrated intent on record as on the Yes album. 
The fact that through all their myriad lineup changes, he remained the only constant factor suggests that his time was taken up in keeping the volatile show on the road as much as in continuing to produce the musical goods. Most musicians, even the very, very best ones, have a tendency to be one-trick ponies. They have one thing that they do, they do it brilliantly, and they package a career around it. Squire was more than that. A strong songwriter, a great arranger, especially of vocals, and a genre-defining bass player who took his previously humble instrument right across its range of possibilities, over the fields and far away. The man was one of very few rock musicians for whom the term genius seems about right. It seems unlikely that we will see his masterful like again.